0: Hi, welcome to theanalysis.news. I'm Paul Jay. In just a few seconds, I'll be joined by Alexander Buzgalin to talk about the significance of the life of Mikhail Gorbachev. Please don't forget, there's a donate button uh, at, on the website if you support what we do. Uh, please go and click if you already have. Thank you. Uh, if you haven't subscribed on YouTube, please do, or on one of the various podcast platforms. And most importantly, Uh, sign up for the email list. Be back in just a few seconds. On December 25, 1991, Mikhail Gorbachev resigned as the leader of the Communist Party of the Soviet Union and dissolved the Soviet Union itself. With his death on August 30th, Gorbachev has been mostly praised in the Western press, for his vision of a social democratic Soviet Union within Europe, much like a Sweden or a Finland. Of course, that's not what happened. What actually followed was a period of rapacious capitalism where public assets were looted by former leaders of the party and the bureaucracy. Alexander Busgalin was a member of the Central Committee of the CPSU in its last year and fought for quite a different vision of a reformed Soviet Union. Buzgalin is currently a professor and director of the Center of Modern Marxist Studies at Moscow State University. And he joins us now from Moscow. Thanks for for joining us again, Alexander.
1: Uh, I'm very glad to be with you and to discuss very important questions, as usual.
0: So, uh, the death of Gorbachev uh, is in some ways more about the end of the Soviet Union than it is about the figure of Gorbachev. Um, and and so I know you had a very direct experience in the days or months before the end of the Soviet Union. You 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 once told me the story about this, and maybe we you could start there, and then we can get into the bigger question. You went to you were not in the party, am I correct? But you went to a party congress, and you were part of a reform group that proposed certain reforms, but Gorbachev didn't agree with your reforms. Um, so what what was that about? Uh, it's uh, not exactly
1: <laughs> the model of my life. So the logic was following uh, from 1985 in Soviet Union started some reforms. Uh, firstly, very mild, then more and more deep, and in uh, 1989. It became a real opportunity to be in a position officially with reforms
0: you mean more uh, openness in terms of how you could speak
1: different uh, different reforms by the way I want to tell about this little later that gorbachev is not only glassness and the freedom of speech and political uh, pluralism it's much more complex uh, problem in economy and ideology and so on so but later. So okay. uh, in 1988 I think I became a member of Communist Party of Soviet Union because it was possible to be in opposition inside Communist Party. And in 1989 even winter 1989-1990 we created so-called Marxist platform. It was democratic, socialist, I can say even communist opposition to both uh, Stalinism and bourgeois reforms. Gorbachev in that period uh, was leader of uh, social democratic reforms, but in very pro-Western style. So it was more Western social democracy than, let's say, social democracy of uh, Plekhanov or even Kautsky. Very pro-Western model uh, of social democracy, center or right-wing model of social democracy, first. And second, he was in any case leader of huge bureaucratic machine. And he did not want to reform this bureaucratic machine. Communist Party and Central Committee was organized inside very bureaucratically, and uh, they cannot, uh, could not uh, react on very deep contradictions in the country. That's why we established this Marxist platform.
0: For people who don't know too much about the period, what do you mean when you say organized very bureaucratically? Like, what's some examples?
1: Well, first of all, it was the same huge apparatus of the Central Committee. If you wanted to make any changes, it was necessary to go through different departments, sub-departments, and so on. Uh, In regions, uh, party uh, leaders could not make anything without permission of the center, and they didn't have initiative. Uh, They were part of machine and they could not work without machine. They could not work without KGB, they could not work without. police uh, and it was very difficult to change this machine and we were talking about necessity to radically reorganize uh, party state um, in anti-bureaucratic f- basis. and uh, the main question was also development of real not formal self-management in the enterprises, real economic democracy, real democracy, grassroots democracy. Uh, Gorbachev was playing with bourgeois forms of democracy. It was possible to say blah 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 for uh, intelligence, but it was no voice of ordinary people, poor people who became people who became poor in Soviet Union in Gorbachev period because of shortage of commodities. So, uh, and uh, many real forms of democracy were not developing grassroots democracy, uh, and we were doing a lot in this sphere. It's important, by the way. It was movement of um, self-management organs of uh, enterprises, big enterprises, small enterprises. In 1990, we had uh, the Soviet Union Congress of the leaders of uh, self-management. It was 1,000 people from all the country. It was intelligent, very democratic people who wanted to have democratic socialism, but they didn't have power. And real uh, democratization in the economy was not uh, power of workers or engineers, it was more power of directors who started underground privatization even in the Soviet period. And workers and engineers were fighting against this. And they didn't have support of Communist Party, and they didn't have support of Gorbachev, by the way.
0: Let me just highlight this. You said the privatization began underground even during the days of the Soviet Union. And and, and so the, and this is from uh, Higher-level party bureaucrats, am I correct that they were already trying to develop a, a private ownership amongst that class?
1: Uh, they were not against, I can say, uh, if we are talking about party bureaucrats. And um, as if okay, it's necessary to explain. In Gorbachev period, appeared two wings uh, of bureaucrats and Communist Party. One part, uh, old-style uh, bureaucrats who had communist, or better to say, uh, socialist illusions, formal socialist ideology in their brains, but at the same time, they were very cynical. They were, let's say, corrupted, not because of bribes, but because they wanted to go anywhere to have money. And they were oriented on the transformation of their power to the property, to the capital, but not very radically. They were passive, uh, not active, and so on, this old generation of Communist Party bureaucrats. And we had young generation, uh, mainly in uh, Komsomol Youth Communist Organization, uh, also part of uh, directors, uh, leaders of uh, former state and inter- uh, formerly state enterprises. Uh, but uh, because Gorbachev allowed so-called Tarenda, leasing, and the directors took enterprises in leasing, it was a strange situation where an enterprise with uh, equipment for billion dollars uh, was in leasing of director who had uh, I don't know maybe a few thousand dollars. So it was very uh, unbeautiful story. I I am trying to find polite word for this.
0: One, you don't need to be polite, and two, what is the term you're using? Leasing, uh, uh, rent. Oh, lease, leasing. 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 leasing, leasing.
1: Okay, oh, okay. Oh, I'm sorry for my pronunciation. Yes, it's okay. Uh, leasing of enterprises. Uh, so uh, also, it was uh, growth of separatism of uh, regional leaders, and it was not uh, liberation of people in uh, different regions of former Soviet Union in Ukraine. Not in in Ukraine, it was not very radical. In Baltic republics, uh, in Georgia, in some regions of uh, Caucasus. It was uh, more uh, attempts of bureaucrats, communist and not communist leaders uh, in this former Soviet Republic, it was not former, Soviet Republics, to take power. It was not liberation from the below. It was a struggle of bureaucrats for their power in uh, former so- in Soviet Republics, which became then independent states. So and we will against this. We will for uh, support uh, and uh, recreation rebirth renaissance of soviet union as unity uh, on the basis of initiatives from below we were supporters of real self-management of enterprises and regional self-management for grassroots democracy not for bureaucratic games in multi-party system and definitely against stalinism and definitely against uh, bourgeois transformation
0: by bourgeois transformation you mean the, the, the sort of western capitalist model. In fact, what actually happened in the 90s.
1: So it's another story also very important uh, to understand why people don't like Gorbachev now. Uh, finally, uh, it became terrible, I want to stress, terrible catastrophe uh, in economy, in uh, living standards, in uh, social life, in geopolitics, in ideology, in culture. Uh, early 90s, 1990s, uh, our country had Decline of gross national product, uh, nearly 50%, one half. It was decline of real incomes for poor population, one half. It was um, uh, enormous growth of social polarization during a few months, not even years. It was criminal atmosphere. Uh, Gorbachev period uh, was period of discreditation of police uh, in all spheres, militia, militia. Uh, of course it was not uh, i don't know very democratic organization but uh, without um, control without militia without uh, punishment of uh, criminal elements it's impossible to live in society especially when you know uh, primitive accumulation of capital led to the enormous violence everywhere if you remember primitive accumulation of capital in the United States, it was Jim Jim all these Western movies about primitive accumulation of capital. Ghana is the main uh, uh, I don't know uh, tool for accumulation of capital. and uh, Gorbachev is responsible for decline of uh, real power of police. Uh, I'm a very democratic person, but in some aspects it's necessary to have police against these uh, bandits, organized bandits. Yes. And uh, so it was all negative things.
0: When Gorbachev is deciding, preparing to step down to dissolve the Soviet Union, he must know there's going to be a free for all looting the publicly owned enterprises and wealth. He, he has to know that's what's, ne- what's coming.
1: Uh, it's a story which is a miracle for me. I cannot explain his personal behavior. Uh, in mass, uh, in public opinion in uh, modern Russia and even from 1990s, uh, all these decades, uh, Gorbachev is, uh, in Russian we have uh, such word, baba. Uh, woman who cannot make something herself, I'm sorry, it's not anti-feminist, it's it's just Russian uh, content. Uh, so woman who is uh, under the, uh, oppression of men uh, who is not uh, decisive, who cannot make real actions, uh, who cannot take responsibility, uh, and so on. So, and this is main uh, negative uh, feeling to Gorbachev. Uh, why I said I cannot understand. I I don't think that he is Baba, but uh, what I think, uh, he started from very good slogan in 1985 when he became General Secretary of Communist Party. He said, the main factor of our rebirth, of our new epoch, is the social creativity of the masses, and he made a quotation from Lenin. Uh, then he said, we must have acceleration of economy, and we must use plan, strategic planning, um, socialist methods, and some forms of democracy in order to Uh, open energy of the people. It was not bad words at all, and some steps in this direction really appeared. And uh, until 1988, it was more democratization in the uh, the sphere of enterprise management. It was more opportunities for um, self-organization of people in uh, regions, uh, creation of new forms of green movements and so on. So it was uh, some positive changes. But then step by step, he started moving in the direction of um, firstly, uh, Western style social democracy. Then uh, he's not supported, but he did not criticize. He did not attack uh, those who were exactly for bourgeois restoration. And it was direct lie, but maybe not subjective lie of leaders like Yeltsin, like uh, Gavril Popov, leader of Moscow in 1990s, like Sabchak, leader of St. Petersburg in 1990s, all these uh, so-called leaders of perestroika of opposition, they were speaking in the uh, late '80s about necessity to have Swedish model of socialism and even more socialism than in Sweden, more socialism than in Finland. They never said about total privatization. They never said about primitive accumulation of capital. And I don't know, maybe they were really stupid or primitive uh, not to understand what really will take place. But uh, for me, for my comrades, we were 30 years old, by the way, not very old (laughs) persons in that period. It was absolutely, uh, we were absolutely sure that it will be not social democracy. It will be not Sweden. It will be a third world country with all criminal forms of capitalism in the periphery. But it was not uh, that case for Gorbachev for communist party bureaucrats for opposition that's why we created this marxist platform with all this critique with predictions and uh, some of my three of us became members of central committee of communist party it is the main organ ruling organ and uh, when it was plenum meeting of central committee central committee was big uh, nearly 300 people it was one of the first meetings after 28th Congress. It was 1990, and they said if we continue the same politics, Communist Party will collapse and Soviet Union will disappear. By the way, when it was the case in 1992, some old leaders of Communist Party said, "Alexander, you are responsible for the destruction of the Soviet Union." You are responsible for the destruction of Communist Party. You said one year before that it will be destroyed, and it was destroyed. <laughs> you are son of the bitch, Sasha. <laughs> uh, so, um, But it was not uh, clear for Gorbachev. It was not clear for Communist Party bureaucrats. Uh, and uh, really, I want to stress another aspect, if it's possible, to move from Gorbachev to real contradictions of the country.
0: Well, before you do that, let me let me just explore this Gorbachev thing a little further. His vision, which is being so praised now in the Western media, that Russia, Soviet Union, would become a social democracy, part of Europe uh, and part of the West. Essentially, uh, it seems to me, if Gorbachev really believed that, it's so naive and so delusional that that Western capital would ever allow Russia to become that kind of player in Europe because I mean given everything the Soviet Union had in terms of size and resources and manpower, it wouldn't have been long in that situation where the Soviet Union would have been you know the equal to Germany. It would have been a powerful player in Europe. And I can't imagine the Germans and Americans ever allowing that.
1: So I don't know if he was naive or he was not smart enough. I don't know him personally well. I I saw him only in the tribune of the Congress and so on. Uh, We never met. I met some uh, leaders of uh, party members of political bureau. It was uh, really little more than 10 persons. And some of them were not bad, but and not supporting Gorbachev. But with Gorbachev, I didn't meet myself closely. After the collapse of the Soviet Union, we met, but not in that period. Uh, I think that uh, he was not smart enough. He was not decisive enough. Uh, I cannot say naive. Naive is a word for. Uh, young girl sixteen years old uh, girl who dreams about romantic love, yes, uh, but uh, he was not a young girl at all, and he was political leader, so uh, I don't know what kind of word I can use here uh, so but it's not naive, it's uh, maybe blind, better to say,
0: at some point before the coup, then there's a coup in what is it august of 1990 and then he comes back for a few months and then he steps down at some point is he more or less captured by the forces that are preparing for this big privatization and looting of the economy does he be in some ways does he wind up being their tool uh,
1: it's a complex question uh- I think Gorbachev was not uh, captain of the boat. Uh, he was in the boat which was moving according to the stream. Uh, this boat didn't have uh, rule, how to say, uh, in the car when you move.
0: Uh, yeah, steering, a steering wheel.
1: Steering wheel, yes. And uh, this car didn't have uh, engine. It was like a, I don't know, a piece of wood moving in the. Uh, River and Gorbachev was not captain, really. Uh, That's why he is responsible for not being captain. Uh, Is it clear? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, The period of radical changes when the streams are very different and the dominant stream is negative, uh, reactionary. The captain of the boat must be decisive, strong, and must create. Team which will fight against these negative trends. And Gorbachev started, uh, he destroyed bureaucratic uh, system of management. It, it was necessary to transfer this bureaucratic system, but not to destroy completely the system of, man, of governing, not management, governing in the country. But uh, he really destroyed governing at all. Not change from of bureaucratic governing to democratic governing, but he destroyed governing. Not he personally, but he did not uh, support, uh, he did not fight against destruction. What I can say.
0: Did the privatization, uh, the development of this class of oligarchs, does that begin while Gorbachev is still there or it all happens afterwards? Uh, it was
1: underground genesis. You know, like, uh, uh, like when a tree is growing, First, a seed is in the land, but seed is uh, growing, and then first small green elements appear. So here it was not a tree; it was something ugly and terrible. It was dragon growing <laughs> from the seeds. So, and seeds of dragon were developing in Gorbachev period. It was not a big, huge dragon uh, of oligarchs, but it was the beginning. Uh, because of the so called freedom uh, but it was really disorganization not freedom because of the disorganization of governing we had the enormous growth of uh, shadow business criminal shadow business in late 80s we had the underground privatization with leasing leasing of enterprises by directors
0: now what does that mean they're 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 charging outside forces to come in and use the enterprise what does it mean leasing renting
1: Director of the enterprise, manager of the enterprise, uh, received power to be uh, executive owner of the enterprise, to buy, to sell production, uh, to reorganize production, to decrease production, to change production, and so on. So be- they became quasi owners, not formal owners, but real owners, and they made first accumulation of capital on this basis. Not all enterprises, but many big enterprises and small enterprises in the country.
0: And this was supposed to be done in the name of opposing bureaucracy.
1: Yes, it was the growth of democracy, economic democracy, but it was not the growth of economic democracy. Democracy, power of people, demos gratis. But here was power of directors instead of power of Gosplan. plan. Uh, I don't know what is worse.
0: Well, maybe this starts to answer my next question because. So, after Gorbachev steps down and they start privatizing, supposedly these public assets are purchased. But where do these guys get the money to buy anything? They did not buy anything,
1: they steal everything. And it's not a joke, unfortunately. Uh, huge enterprises like Ural Mars, uh, it's enterprise with 30, 20, 50,000 workers. With machines, uh, the metal in this enterprise is just metal of machines, costs, I don't know, billions of dollars. What enterprise, but simply to sell the metal, the, this all equipment, it will be billions of dollars. They bought this enterprise for 10, uh, 5 million dollars, which they accumulated during primitive, this criminal uh, shadow business uh, in Gorbachev period. And then they, it was gained. It was uh, so called auction when you must pay very small money, you buy enterprise, and then you must pay back uh, uh, because you have enterprise and you will pay back from the selling of the production produced in this enterprise.
0: I heard somebody told me that I think it's 1990 or 91, there's a loan from the IMF. And it was supposed to go to the Russian government to help pay debt, but it was actually diverted into private hands and then used to buy public resources.
1: Yes, it was uh, after destruction of Soviet Union after nineteen, 19 ninety one. I'm sorry, nineteen ninety one. Uh, also, Western money and big money it was billions of dollars. Uh, went to these uh, goals. It was a lot of uh, illegal privatization. Then it's also important. It was enormous inflation. In one year, prices grew up uh, 30 times, not 30%, 30 times. Every month, it was growing prices two, three, five times per month, so uh, enormous. And uh, in the beginning, it was the official estimation of enterprise in rubles. After uh, a few months, it was, uh, I don't know, 100 times less, 50 times less than it was in the beginning. So it was a lot of these speculations, which led to the privatization of enterprises by criminal uh, leaders, by uh, shadow economy leaders, by some uh, young Communist Party bureaucrats, young, decisive, strong, uh, aggressive, I can say even aggressive. And a few, let's say, talent entrepreneurs uh, came also to this game. I don't know, thousands of them were killed, but uh, one, two, three from them became big (laughs) businessmen.
0: Were killed because they were fighting each other over the wealth?
1: Yes, it was, yeah. Maybe not directly killed, but kidnapped. Killed, uh, destroyed. Uh, their capital was completely destroyed. They became absolutely poor, and so So it was a very brutal period.
0: So Gorbachev's argument was that this is, the, as I understand it, that the Soviet Union's economy, politics had become so bureaucratic, and and that the uh, the Soviet republics were, were wanted out. That there was no, he had no choice, but. To step down and do what he did, otherwise, there would have been civil war. Did he have a choice?
1: The problem is not uh, he. The problem is the situation in general. And he, with his team, in some respects, Gorbachev was puppet in the hands of the whole team of bureaucrats who really wanted uh, these changes, who really wanted to change their power and to receive capital and private property. and He was a puppet in these hands. <coughs> why he was not leader, why he was puppet, it's another question. It's problem of his personal qualities. But uh, he, uh, or better to say, uh, this team of leaders uh, with Gorbachev, they did not. Prevent uh, destruction of the uh, socialism, or better to say, uh, in another way, it was necessary to transform. I want to, to repeat: it was necessary to transform a bureaucratic system and to change bureaucratic model of uh, so-called socialism and to create from below democratic model of socialism. Instead of that, it was destruction of the system of governing, not destruction of bureaucratism, but destruction of government. Bureaucratic governing is governing which is working for the in in the interests of the bureaucrats, not in the interests of the people. but uh, if you want to change uh, the well, i don't know the course of the boat, it's not necessary to destroy the boat uh, something like that uh, some first intentions were very important and positive, uh, as I said, in, the, uh, in uh, 1985, 1986, 1997, and so on. But then uh, forces which uh, led to the destruction of the socialism of the Soviet Union came to power, step by step. And Here, it's important to explain why, in general, Soviet Union collapsed or disappeared, better to say. Uh, uh, there are different explanations, but uh, my position is uh, following. Uh, for socialism, socialism is like a bicycle, it's necessary to move all time and move forward. And uh, for moving forward, socialism must have a basis, uh, engine. And the engine of socialism is not market. Is not private uh, activity, competition, and so on. Engine of uh, communism, socialism as first step is social creativity if you want enthusiasm. In the beginning, uh, it's impossible to build a new society on the basis of only enthusiasm. But without enthusiasm, it's impossible to move in the direction of socialism and further to communism. It's necessary to have social creativity. And when we had this social creativity, it was very rapid development and positive development, even in bureaucratic system, even inside uh, all these mutations, all these negative features, like in Khrushchev period in uh, 19 late 50s, uh, early 60s in 20th century. Uh, by the way, I will make small um, remark, important remark. Uh, in the West, there are a lot of positive words about Gorbachev. But I never heard positive words about Khrushchev. And in that period we had the spring. We had much more freedom for culture, for science, for education. It was an enormous jump in technologies: cosmos, nuclear uh, power stations, uh, new type of transportation, uh, automatic enterprises. We had first automatic enterprise in 1960s. With robot uh, production, it was the whole enterprise producing uh, this uh, like like I don't know some elements for uh, machines. Uh, it was enterprise producing these elements of machines without men at all in the late '60s. So it was a lot of decisions in culture, cinema, uh, fundamental science. and it was another atmosphere in the country. Of course, it was bureaucracy, a lot of negative features. It was one-party system, and it was growth of popularity of Soviet Union in the world. Anti-colonial revolutions in all countries in Africa, in Asia, in Latin America struggle against fascist dictatorship. Everywhere, we support the Soviet Union. Millions of students in Russian Soviet universities during this period. Wonderful country, wonderful development. Why West doesn't like it? Because it was a strong country. Which when Gorbachev came to United Nations, he took a shoe and boom, boom, said you will have.
0: You mean when Khrushchev, Khrushchev came?
1: Khrushchev, Khrushchev, yes, yeah, yeah. By the way, uh, why uh, you said they like Gorbachev in the West, mainstream West, not left and. Uh, I want to propose another I have fantastic story. Uh, What will be if today in our country and in former Soviet uh, republics, I don't know, Ukraine, Belarus, Kazakhstan, we have wonderful leaders with strong political forces who want to create a new Soviet Union with democracy, real grassroots democracy, with real self-management in the state enterprises, with free of church education, but with strong army based on the enthusiasm of the people, with development of high-tech uh, sector and so on. Will West applaud to this leader. Look! He is for the freedom of speech. Look, he is for real democracy. Look, he is building just society. How good people, how good people in Russia, in Ukraine, in Belarus, in Kazakhstan, in uh, Tajikistan, they want to create again new peaceful, huge, big country with strong weapons, with strong technologies and uh, wonderful competitor for all other countries in the world. Will they be happy? No. That's why they like Gorbachev, not for democracy. But for the destruction of the country, it, uh, destruction of the system, not the country even, destruction of the system, socialist system with all negative features, but socialist system which was real opposition to uh, world capitalism. And one more important aspect which I want to stress: uh, it was not only Gorbachev who led to the destruction of the, let's say, mutant socialism, bureaucratic socialism, in uh, former world socialist system. Even earlier than in Soviet Union, in Czechoslovakia, in other West-East European countries, we had changes. These countries had different leaders. Some were more strong, some were less, some were more smart, some less, but everywhere it was this change. Why? Let's come back uh, to the question why Soviet Union disappeared. Because uh, Soviet Union in Brezhnev period, not in Gorbachev period, in Brezhnev period, late 60s, uh, 70s of the 20th century, Soviet Union lost engine. Bicycle stopped. And bicycle cannot stop, <laughs> stand, it must move. And uh, it was an attempt to add the market as engine. Uh, for socialism, it doesn't work. It creates private business inside socialism. It's possible to have market, but as one of the tools to move, but not as dominant force.
0: But to do what you say, to do what you're recommending, requires a real democratization of the politics. You can't have any enthusiasm in self-management if you're still dealing with a bureaucratic, uh, more or less, police state. Uh,
1: It's true, but not 100%. I will explain why. Uh, In the 1920s, even in early 1930s, Soviet Union was not uh, 100% democratic state. It was one-party system. It was no freedom of speech for anti-socialist forces. It was not mass repressions, but uh, if you started to make coup d'etat, you will be in prison or killed. Uh, And we had enormous enthusiasm because we had democracy on the grassroots level, politically on the top. It was not pure democratic in bourgeois sense, but in the uh, low uh, level of enterprises, opportunity to create different social uh, initiatives, uh, NGOs, and so on, it was possible. You're talking about
0: the 1920s?
1: 1920s and even 1930s, early 1930s. Step by step, it was growth of bureaucratization of Stalin's dictatorship and so on. But even in the period of 1930s, when all these repressions started, when uh, 100,000 people, even up to 2 million people were repressed, some of them were killed and so on, when Gulag appeared. Only in that period, we had enthusiasm from below because it was very contradictory mixture of creation of new state, new economy, new society, new education, new culture for people. From one hand, I don't know, left hand, and it was bureaucratic dictatorship from another. Finally, it led to the uh, uh, big, enormous contradictions, but when the Second World War started, for us, the great patriotic war, It was, again, a very strange model of enthusiasm, not strange, I can say beautiful, but uh, extremely tragic model of enthusiasm. When people were dying for the peace, we had uh, millions of people who went to the war voluntarily, went for dying. They were real heroes, young boys, old men. Like 60 years old, 70 years old, when uh, Hitler was near Moscow, uh, old people, 60, 70 years old, nobody made order go and be killed. It was enthusiasm, if you want. It was a lot of uh, enthusiasm in the production sphere. Uh, Andrei Kalganov wrote a beautiful article about a lot of new projects, forms of uh, organization, of management, technology, and so on. And it was dictatorship because it was war. So it's very contradictory process. In, then after Stalin, it was Khrushchev's spring, and it was more or less dictatorship, less oppression of people, uh, less ideological pressure. It was, but it was less. And it was very rapid growth of laws of science, culture, and so on. In Brezhnev period, it was stopped because it was a real threat for bureaucracy. Uh, and uh, this uh, destruction of enthusiasm from below led to the transformation of the leaders. In the beginning, uh, leaders of Soviet Union were a mixture of bureaucrats with communists. Uh, Khrushchev, Brezhnev, all these people, they were bureaucrats. They were, in some aspects, uh, brutal dictators, but they came from World War II and many of them were heroes of this war. Many of them such, not Brezhnev, he was not killed. He was wounded, but not killed. But many such people like Brezhnev were killed in this war. Uh, That's why they had this double, I don't know, sense in the head, like uh, (laughs) Schizophrenia. I don't know how to say. They were at the same time bureaucrats and communists. But then, because of absence of enthusiasm from below, absence of control from below, this bureaucratic part of head was growing and became the whole head. <laughs> and communism disappeared. Mm-hmm. When I was in the Central Committee, I don't remember if I said this or I just was thinking about it, but it was no one communist except maybe a few people. 300 leaders of Communist Party, 20 million Communist Party, they were not communists. They were not real enthusiasts of the creation of new society. They were bureaucrats with some illusions or without illusions, more or less cynical.
0: For them, being a communist meant defending the party and the state. It didn't have a lot to do with the social content of that.
1: Right. And receive uh, different privileges. By the way, not very big, but still it was privileges. Uh, so uh, that's why it was uh, from both sides. It was growth of. Uh, conformism from below and growth of bureaucratism from the top and uh, Gorbachev became a result of this uh, transformation.
0: How much and there's still an, a, another level of why why does it become so bureaucratized? Is it is it partly because that you know you can't have central planning, and such control of the economy when you're using a pencil and paper like there was there was no you know just the very beginnings of computer like how do you how could you possibly have such centralization with such primitive technology?
1: So first of all uh, it was not necessary to have absolute centralization. But they uh, did. and uh, yes, and this was one of the reasons. but uh, a key problem was not even uh, centralization in economy. Key problem was a relatively low level of culture, relatively low level of social creativity of masses when the revolution took place. And uh, you know for socialism, the, the ideal the best variant for socialist revolution is when, you have strong left party with millions of people inside capitalism. You have huge trade unions, not bureaucratized trade unions. You have real initiatives from below in the sphere of green movement and other social movements. You had left intelligence inside capitalism. You don't have political party, political power. but you have all necessary uh, prerequisites. Opposition is strong, democratic educated, cultural. You have theory, you have actors, you have experience, and then you have victory in the elections. Uh, And uh, Wonderful. We are moving in the direction of socialism, step by step, from market to plan, from private property to social, from uh, formal bourgeois democracy to grassroots democracy with contradictions, but we are moving. It's a wonderful picture. But really, when you have uh, high developed uh, capitalism, you have enormous control of uh, capital and bureaucracy over all spheres of life. It's another topic, but uh, with Andre Kalgada, we wrote the, our book, Global Capital. By the way, it is published in uh, English with strange name, 21st Century Capital, like, uh, <laughs> or Capital 20, very similar with uh, this famous book. In Britain it's published in um, Manchester University Press. It's not advertising it's too expensive to buy. so <laughs> if anybody wants I can say send manuscript for free. <laughs> I don't uh, ask to buy for I don't know 100 pounds so uh, but what it's important we wrote that it is totalitarian market market is totalitarian force which control every step every uh, I don't know every idea of personality. It's global hegemony of capital in all spheres, from the uh, birth till the deaths. And in this situation, it's very difficult to build a position. And the position is growing mainly in the sphere in the countries where there are very deep contradictions of capitalism, but where there is no this totalitarian power. Sometimes even there is a dictatorship, but there is no totalitarian power of market and capital uh, in Latin America. But they don't have enough again prerequisites. They like Russia before socialist revolution, and they cannot build new socialism, real socialism. They have these limits. So we move far from Gorbachev, but it's an important question.
0: Let's get back to Gorbachev, and let me ask you another question. People are talking about. Uh, even Putin has sort of suggested this in a way. Uh, why couldn't? Gorbachev and the leadership done something more like what happened in China. Now I'm not necessarily a big fan of the restoration of capitalism in China, but clearly something had to be done. Um, and, and they say, why couldn't Gorbachev had sort of managed this process the way Deng Xiaoping did it in China?
1: So first of all, he could uh, not. He personally, but it was possible from objective point of view. Except very important aspects. It was impossible to make, uh, let's say, more market, even with elements of capitalism, uh, uh, model of the uh, Soviet Union after, let's say, Gorbachev or during. Go- I'm sorry, uh, let's start from the beginning. It was possible to move in the direction of development of market and even private property. But uh, Soviet Union in the uh, '80s, 1980s, was not country with the domination of uh, uh, peasants, was not country with domination of uneducated people. It was country with uh, one half of people with high education, with very l- high level of culture and so on. So to continue bureaucratic dictatorship with market and capitalism, I think was impossible. But it was possible to move in the direction of uh, socialism with more real grassroots democracy and market and some elements of capitalism, but in the same time with strong control of socialist, or better to say, people's state over capital and market. Uh, when I was in China, I said, "Market is not—you know—it's a very famous word, uh, words of P, that it doesn't matter what is the color of the uh, of the cat. It's important that uh, cat
0: catch mouse. White cat, black cat, as long as it catches the mouse. Yeah,
1: or red or black cat doesn't matter. It does matter because market is not uh, cat; it is tiger, as I said in China." And tiger is a very dangerous yeah, or lion, if you want. Yeah? So it's necessary to control. It's necessary to restrict. It's necessary to have strong power, democratic but strong. Gorbachev made uh, some forms of democracy, but uh, they didn't make democracy power. Democracy means demos kratos, demos people, real people, not uh, intelligentsia who are saying something. And kratos is power. If we decided something, we must do this. If you don't support us, you will be punished. This This is is clearly just the
0: beginning of a series of conversations we need to have. Um, So let me ask you one final question for today. And then I know you're going on a trip. When you come back, we'll schedule another session and we'll keep going. Um, So here's the, the final question for today. During the period of the lead-up to the uh, dissolving of the Soviet Union, Gorbachev's resignation, uh, what is the role and, and, and how important is it, the role of the U.S. and the West in encouraging the more open market shock therapy, loot the public ownership, how important was the West in the demise of the Soviet Union?
1: Uh, it was not the main role, but it was an important and very negative role. You know, sometimes when there is nearly balance, even small uh, additional uh, money, small additional uh, uh, power and so on can change uh, the equilibrium. So it was a very uh, big struggle. And by the way, it was not only one way, Gorbachev and then destruction of the Soviet Union, we had another possible, objectively possible scenarios of development. And one of them was a real democratic socialism, with a lot of contradictions, but democratic socialism. And if let's make a fantastic story. If we have not United States, Germany, Western Germany, uh, NATO, as uh, the of reforms in Soviet Union, but strong, really democratic socialist states. In the United States, democratic socialist. In Western Germany, democratic socialism. In Britain, democratic socialism. I don't think that in Soviet Union we have in this situation uh, Yeltsin's power, brutal shock therapy and so on. Uh, of course, it, again, it was not because the United States uh, uh, intervened in the Soviet Union. It was not because Gorbachev was spy or agent of CIA. It is also typical for some Russians to say that he was uh, agent of Central Intelligence Agency or I don't know, MASAT or um, MI6 or something like that. It's not true, of course, but it was very important additional pressure on our country in the direction of uh, not even social democracy, but in the direction of brutal, primitive accumulation of capital in the form of liberal capitalism, but just form. And what is important, we did not discuss geopolitical or foreign policy as an aspect of Gorbachev relations. It was possible to have another model of transformations in this sphere, of course. And finally, uh, I want to stress that disintegration of Soviet Union and collapse, uh, well, not the end, but a defeat, um, uh, not final defeat, but defeat of socialist project in uh, late 80s, in 1991, led to the enormous problems for all world. After that, instead of peace, why wars in Russia, capitalism? In the United States, capitalism, everywhere capitalism. Why wars? Why thousands, millions of people finally killed for these decades during these decades? Why? Because capitalism means militarism, wars. It's law of capitalism. And inside uh, former Soviet Union territory, we had permanent wars. In Chechnya, in Moldavia, in Georgia, between uh, Azerbaijan and Armenia. Enormous amount of victims, and modern situation uh, in Ukraine is also a result of this destruction, because in Soviet Union it was doesn't matter if Crimea or Donbass is part of Russian Federation or Ukrainian, or not it was the Russian Socialist Federative Feder, Soviet Republic or Ukrainian Republic. It was really one state, and uh, territories were moving from one former republic. Formal republic to another formal republic. Donbass was part of Russia until the 1920s, then it became part of Ukraine. Crimea was part of Russia, then became part of Ukraine. And it was a lot of such transformations. In Kazakhstan, with Russia, in between different countries, it was no problem. But when this separation started, it became basis for the wars. Uh, and uh, we didn't discuss this question and uh, you know maybe people know uh, in the West that in Russia we have a lot of restrictions for uh, discussion about situation in Ukraine and in Russia we have word special military operation. It's a, the only possible word in Russia for this event. Uh, and I said before this operation, and said uh, for Russian public in the beginning of operation, uh, it was February 25th or 6th, I don't remember exactly, when a video appeared, that I don't support this. Uh, in Russia, we have majority, 70-80 percent, according to official opinion polls, who support this operation. Uh, other people abstain or did not support. So I belong to my minority, as I said. Uh, But uh, in order to analyze this uh, situation, it's necessary to have a real uh, opportunity to speak without restrictions, without uh, self-restrictions and formal bureaucratic restrictions. And uh, also, it is a big problem because information which we have uh, in Russia uh, with video reports, with figures, with uh, data, with observers, and so on, is absolutely not the same as information in the West. Uh, And honestly, I cannot say that Western information is 100% truth. At least I know that uh, in the West, information about wars in Vietnam, in Iraq, in Syria, in uh, Libya was not, uh, it was a lot of, uh, let's say, falsifications. I cannot say that in Russia, it's 100% uh, facts, but uh, that's why it's very difficult to make real suggestions. And it's also re- necessary to remember about prehistory, uh, all these provocations, uh, enlargement of NATO uh, in 2014, started uh, real war against Donbass. So it is important prehistory, all this prehistory. But finally, I said my position, I expressed my position simply. I ask people to remember that destruction of Soviet Union is the, fi- the most deep reason of all these things. Military nature of capitalism is the main fundamental reason of all these things. And now it's possible, I think uh, in these forms of capitalism, which we have in 21st century, it is uh, very difficult to say how to make just peace if we have such forms of capitalism everywhere. And uh, I think today it's even more important than ever before to say that only socialist trend is basis for the peace and uh, negation of wars. It's abstract word, but let's remember, it was World War I. Why, it is really was, why this war was really stopped, because of the revolution in the Russian Empire in Germany and mass-left movements everywhere. And now we are on the border of extremely deep and, uh, terrible conflicts, and if we will not think uh, if we are not thinking about a socialist alternative. I'm afraid that uh, on the basis of one or another model of capitalism, more imperialistic, less imperialistic, it's impossible to stop. And uh, maybe postscriptum: uh, I am afraid that now we have even a threat of regress of capitalism from, from imperialism, regress from imperialism. Because it could be, you know, empires uh, existed in feudal epoch with terrible wars, but wars for the territories, wars for the power of kings and so on. So it was not uh, imperialist uh, type of wars. And now we have different types of wars, uh, forms of wars, they all brutal, all, all destructive. Why uh, Pakistan and India had enormous conflict with uh, thousands, thousands, thousands of victims? India was imperialist, no. Pakistan was imperialist, no. C- capitalism. Uh, so let's remember about this. I think it is very important.
0: All right, thank you, Alexander. When you come back from the trip, we'll schedule uh, the yes. second part of what, what needs to be a long series. Uh, thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you so much. Goodbye, Paul.
0: And thank you for joining us on the Analysis News. Uh, if you appreciate this kind of content. Uh, please click the Donate button. Make a, a donation of some kind. Uh, subscribe uh, if you're uh, on YouTube. Get, most importantly, get on the email list. Come over to the website, uh, whether you're listening on podcasts or all the other platforms. Uh, thanks very much for joining us on the theanalysis.news.